1: From the Liberal Northeast comes a lone voice of truth. Honest commentary
0: in dishonest times. Think deeper with Juan Newsom. This is The Cure radio program. This is The Cure.
1: folks today on the cure we have a very special guest jonathan henderson he um he's an entrepreneur a master of like multiple streams of income and um, he's an author he has a book out it's called common sense a 2020 perspective um you can get it on amazon and please order that thing up man because it's hot i mean it's very very cutting edge and you know it's it's common sense these are common sense principles and guidelines that um you know most of us on the conservative side of the aisle subscribe to so john thanks for being here today man thanks for coming thanks for having me man before we get to your book man (laughs) what is going on in washington dc
0: i don't know somebody (laughs) named brandon is super popular
1: <laughs> <laughs> we got inflation Afghanistan yeah. pullout was a disaster I mean yeah. oh. see this is what happens when you elect somebody that's not a problem solver case in point um, uh,
0: yeah and I mean why didn't we learn that lesson when he was the 2IC under the last guy that did not do so well right
1: I have no idea, man. I have. You know,
0: I, I'm still trying to figure out how he got that many so-called votes, and that many people supported him against the guy that uh, issued mean tweets, but still managed to keep us out of any new wars. Did more for foreign policy than any president that I've seen in my lifetime, as far as maintaining America-first relations with the, uh, around the globe, and ensuring that we had a good answer for our economy. For are just basic functionality as a nation, you know. It's
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: the difference between a businessman and a politician.
1: Yeah, I definitely the genius. Uh, the thing about it, the thing about um, Trump, um, it you know the thing about Trump is you know he was a problem solver. Um, you know the op the total opposite of Joe Biden. Right, and you know. His policies were uh, were genius. I mean, they were they were totally um, ingenious. Um, I read his. I was very impressed with his Middle East peace policy. Uh, and I read the white paper, and it was just things that should have been done years ago, you know. And you know, he pretty much in his Middle East peace policy, he married like economic policy, with foreign policy, with military policy, Um, you know. uh, And the thing about that policy, it was Israel-based, you know, it was, you know, and and because of it, Israel has allied themselves with other nations in that region. Um, You know, when you look at his domestic policies, uh, his, you know, the deregulation agenda that he had uh, which, you know, helped like it, it pretty much breathed life into the economy. And when you look at the tax cuts and just he was just very business savvy, very business friendly, uh, just never, even though he only got to serve one term in terms of his accomplishments, he accomplished more in that one term. Um, than most presidents, I think, had in, in their two terms.
0: While being impeached twice and receiving nothing but obstruction and hatred from the usual suspects on the left.
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, it, it saddens me that, you know, a lot of people, his, his accomplishments weren't highlighted. It was just really... A, a demonstration, the demagoguery from the left, from the Democrats in the Congress, and just the hatred, the venomous hatred that came from the mainstream media, right? And you know that was pretty much that's the that was the highlight of his presidency. It wasn't you know all of the things that we just listed and, and discussed. You know, um, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, you right. know, record african-american unemployment record uh, latino unemployment you know record you know women's unemployment hit a 60-year low like things like that weren't highlighted and you know we're missing we're paying for it right now (laughs) we're missing them
0: and what's amazing is that the majority of the country is so caught up in foolishness that they don't make the connection that if people are working there is forward progress right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you don't make forward progress by throwing tantrums and being the bully and always forcing people to accept whatever you say no matter what it is you say right Yep. and so if, if we don't understand that as adults there's no way we can lead this nation and move forward with an actual focus on stability security strength as a nation and building up a, an American people that takes care of one another instead of you know everybody's out for self and just looking how they can get over on the next person and mm-hmm. it's, it's just a horrible mentality and with cancel culture you know I'm, I'm putting together I, I, I don't want to uh, ruin the movie of this uh, podcast here but you know I'm putting together uh, my next venture is actually putting together clothing lines and other accessories that accentuate um, common sense conservatism and those kind of messages
1: that's and, amazing
0: And one of the things that I'm working on, a a T-shirt that I will wear, I'm not sure if anybody else has the courage to wear it, but I'm going to put kind of like a a sketch drawing of the KKK Mm -hmm. during one of their lynchings, right? Flames Mm -hmm. in the background, everybody's in hoods and all this stuff. And on blood red letters on the front, I'm going to put Cancel Culture, the Democrat legacy. Because (laughs) Cancel Culture is nothing more than digital lynching in the modern era. It is. It is what do they do? As soon as you disagree with the the horde of people that think they know what's best for everybody else, they try to cancel your job. They try to cancel you on social media. They try to destroy your life. They run you into the ground. They do everything they can to destroy your life. It's still lynching. They're just not hanging from a rope in a tree anymore.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that
0: is the Democrat legacy. Because if you go back and look at the lynchings that the Democrats did, they were always lynching people who ran afoul of their agenda. People who did not agree with them, they lynched Republicans, especially black Republicans that ran for Congress. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that that's always been their shtick. They're still just killing people. They're just doing it from a different angle.
1: Yeah, they did it to Clarence Thomas. I'll never forget that. I Correct. will never forget that. How yeah. you have a black... Joe Biden! <laughs> Joe <Yeah>. Biden! <laughs> yeah. Joe freaking Biden! How you have a black man who who is in, as accomplished and as intelligent and thoughtful as clarence thomas i mean you ever read some of this guy's opinions right. i mean this guy is br- he's the most brilliant justice on that court and just to have you know them lynch this guy mm-hmm. and, and and that's the way i mean that pretty much set the tone for them lynching you know he called Gavin it himself Hall. Cavanaugh. Right.
0: They did the exact same tactics with Kavanaugh, yep. and they tried to do it again with somebody else. Um, who was it? Yeah. So, but every time they, every time they see someone who is a threat to mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. nonsense that they spew, they that uh, you got to give them credit. They know how to organize and marginalize and destroy other people in mass because they understand the mob mentality and emotional appeal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? I mean they, they really are Democrats are the villagers with the pitchforks and torches, right? that, that's are. who they are and they've made those accusations they've accused the right of being the racist of being the, the ignorant of being all these things when you talk to a conservative person you talk facts, you talk science you talk math, you talk economics mm-hmm. you talk about things that actually have a basis in reality and have a bottom line that everyone can look at and grasp and understand once they understand processes and due process and the things that matter when you talk to a leftist it's always about an emotional appeal and the moment you disagree with them it becomes a personal attack against you Mm -hmm. they're trying to undermine you and destroy you and catch you off guard hey i think the sun's shining today you're a racist (laughs) what okay you know and republicans used to be these radical people that were the abolitionists of old that really fought to get this nation on track to overcome slavery, to do what was right for the betterment and the freedom of everyone in this nation. And somewhere along the line, Republicans lost their spine. Mm -hmm. And that's the saddest indictment that I can make in the current political climate, is that we have a bunch of people that sit on Capitol Hill and within the states, and they don't stand up to these temper tantrum-throwing brats and say, Mm -hmm. shut up, that's enough, sit down until you can come back with facts. Okay? Mm-hmm. and we don't have the people that stand up and look these people in the eye and say, "I'm I'm done listening to you because you have no understanding of reality and you, what you say is absolute garbage."
1: It's it, it is a sad uh, commentary for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't really stood for anything since Newt Gingrich was Speaker. Uh, to be as a party as a whole, you know, I remember. I remember that, and I remember Newt Gingrich and the Contract of America, and they got a lot of things done right. because they were in unison under a, under a conservative vision. Correct. And, and that, and the leadership that's in the House and in the Senate now, they do not align that way under a no. conservative vision. And now Donald Trump came right. in between 2016 and 2020 and gave them a spine. And you know they started to kind of sort of stand up to the status quo, but it was yeah, but only a few really of them. Trump, Trump, still. Only a few of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, because there were a lot of them that were doing their best to undermine him or just play the ignoring the problem card, right? Yeah. So they would just turn a blind eye, look the other way, and say, "Oh, is that vote today? Oh my God, I didn't know." Right. Yeah. But Republicans for a long time have lost their spine. We we started losing our spine when we let the uh, Dixiecrat folks Strom Thurmond and those kind there's only like two or three of them that actually migrated and claimed to be Republican but we did the same thing again in 2008 with all these libertarians and independents Mm -hmm. that came over and they're they're still flying the flags of the Confederate South claiming to be conservative Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. you, you backtrack us 120 years there is not a single Republican on earth that would let that flag fly anywhere near their camp because we went to war to fight against the very people that flew that flag right that's true we've lost our purpose we've lost our vision we've lost our standards and we've let these people that are just radical rebels that really have no allegiance to any kind of party and certainly not the country all they promote is freedom but they Mm -hmm. don't promote morality they don't promote responsibility they don't they don't promote accountability all they care about is being free to do whatever they want at everyone else's expense and Mm -hmm. we have somehow let those folks latch on to the republican party and they're parasitic in nature and it discredits everything else that the Republicans should and could be standing for.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
0: we have, to, we have to clean up our own as well because we, we've allowed too much crap to, to fester around what, what we should be standing for. And
1: Metastasize. We, oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, it, it,
0: every, everyone's always told me, John, you always win more f- uh, flies uh, with honey than vinegar, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, and I always make the observation, having grown up on farms in Indiana, yeah, but you get the most flies, with bullshit. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because flies are attracted to crap. And as long as you allow crap to hang around you and issue that smell and provide that breeding ground for the flies and their maggots and everything else that they produce, you're always going to draw more crap flies to you than if you're actually speaking the truth. And so you should stick with the vinegar and let that purify the process no matter what the results are, right?
1: <laughs> Amen, brother. So, yeah, so
0: we, <laughs> we, we have to do a much better job of simply saying your ideals must align with X. And if they do not do that, then you are not truly conservative nor Republican. And if you cannot modify the way that you think by basic understanding and facts and and, and instilling virtue in these people, right? That's the biggest thing you'll notice that in my book. Yep. yep. The one thing that we're missing from a common-sense equation across the board is virtue. Standards. That's right. We've got to have that virtue and those standards and have the ability to critically think so that we can process the information that's out there because it's all out there, right? There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to especially common sense. But somehow we've let the people that know the least and have the loudest voices become the talking heads for everyone in America and that's just the wrong answer.
1: Yeah, just like my head explodes when I hear something about climate change. I don't want (laughs) to hear about no doggone climate change. I mean, it just, you know, just, we've allowed climate change to dominate the conversation on a national level right? and the thing is a total hoax. I mean, I think... I,
0: I love Elon Musk's approach, right? UN... The food bill—it would take six billion to feed to solve world hunger. Send me a plan; I'll fund it. Okay. I think the same approach towards climate change is mandatory at this point. Okay. If unless you can propose to me a solution that eliminates, let's say, the islands of plastic floating waste off the coast of China, or yep. the things that we know are wrong in our environmental controls and constraints, unless we're going to penalize companies for dumping their wastewater and toxic to our groundwater supply systems, if we're not going to impose penalties that legitimately shut a problem down, if we're not gonna resolve the things that are out there, if we're not gonna fund innovation that helps to recycle and reuse those plastics out there instead of just letting them just float around and tying them together, mm-hmm. if you're not talking solutions to me, I don't wanna hear what you have to say because yeah. you're not talking about anything other than uh, sending more money to DC or to the global conglomerate elites that mm-hmm. funds them and their jets while they travel around talking about saving the planet, but nobody does anything to actually do to fix the problems. Exactly. Exactly. Right? There is so, no critical
1: thinking when it comes what's the to the solution. There's no solution because there's no critical thinking. Well, um, I can
0: give them solutions. They don't want to talk <laughs> to me though.
1: I know you can. And, and and look, there's a lot of, you know, the, the whole there's a whole misconception that, you know, conservatives don't care about the environment. We care a lot about the uh, environment.
0: That's that's patently false. If you understand the Republican Party, Teddy Roosevelt was a Republican president that instituted all of the national parks we have today.
1: Exactly.
0: Conservatism, conservation. It's in our name. Yep. <laughs> right. Conservatives yep. are the con- the true pers- pre- um preservationist of the environment that's always been our thing that we do and we do it with smart business practices and we do it with legitimate logical legislation that yes it impacts certain people that are doing the wrong thing but that's who we're supposed to be impacting with legislation to begin with If you're doing the wrong thing then you deserve to be penalized right
1: yeah
0: right somebody I, mean, I
1: created the EPA
0: <laughs> that's correct. That is correct, right? But Teddy Roosevelt, Mr. Rough Rider himself, is the one that dedicated all of the national parks across the United States for the simple preservation of our natural habitat and our natural state as Americans,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely And so right.
0: so that's a Republican invention. That is a conservative right-wing thing that we need to latch onto and say, look, leftists, you don't own any part of this because you're the ones that have all these ridiculous demands but zero solutions there's no reason to talk to you about this until you come to the table with solutions
1: they'll hijack it just like with, you know with the EPA Nixon okay. created Nixon Let created the EPA and then they, you know when, the, when yep. Democrats get in office they'll go into the EPA and then yep. they'll start regulating and having all of these strict standards
0: But, um, but all, all of their sycophants always say that Democrats clean up Republican messes okay? this so is, our, our retort Of course it's a farce. We know that, but we have to prove it now. Because the spineless people in D.C., minus the Ted Cruz's and the Jim Jordans and the uh, Tom Cottons and the other folks that actually stand up and say, this is crap, we're not doing this. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: We have to stand up with a unified voice and say, put your solutions on the table. You don't get to talk to me about money until you talk to me about a solution so I know how to scope the cost, right? Mm -hmm. And if we don't have that kind of voice unified across the nation that says this is right this is wrong and this is what we expect in the future for all discourse right we got to be the adults in the equation and hold the screaming children the baby killers and the idiots out there accountable for everything they say and say if you don't put solutions on the table you're not worth talking to
1: Yep. absolutely that's because
0: no because everyone talks about meeting in the middle right Well, the middle is solutions. And once you have a solution, you can scope it and figure out how to fund it. We have entire government agencies plus every business owner in America that knows how to do a CBA, a cost-benefit analysis. Sorry, I need to define my acronyms. Uh, A cost-benefit analysis and figure out what something is going to cost to include overruns, to include unforeseen circumstances, and figure out what a good solution looks like and then implement it. You don't don't get anywhere by sitting on your hands debating it for 10 years. You Mm -hmm. have to step mm-hmm. up and say all right here's phase one let's get going
1: i've always said john that there need to be the pro- the problem in dc too many damn lawyers um and lobbyists and lobbyists and, and, but mainly it's the lawyers and lawyers don't really know how to problem solve they don't no. No, they they know they create to... more problems than they yeah. than they well, actually that's... solve
0: correct because they're always looking for the risk assessment and the, the risk mitigation factors that lead to liability and lawsuits right yeah so that they they, they they play scared because that's their nature because that's their career right mm-hmm. so when you have corporate lawyers and people that operate out of a sense of fear they're going to give you answers that are based in fear mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. they I've always said that in Washington DC we need more people who have worked with their hands Correct. People who have worked for a living, blue-collar people, white-collar people too, but blue-collar people that have worked with their hands, people that are...
0: The Ed Durrs of the world.
1: Yeah, the common The, sense. Trucker, the
0: truckers that win with a $153 campaign. You know, when I was out in Washington State and was looking at running for office, um, mm-hmm. you know, a decade ago, um, I was told that that kind of a scenario could never happen, that I have to have this huge war chest and a lot of supporters and everything else and I sat back and watched this campaign. It was New Jersey, right?
1: Yep, New Jersey. And, and,
0: and so Ed Durr wins with $153, and I think his <laughs> and his total campaign with his advisors and everything else was like $2,500 max, right? Yep. And, and I'm like, that is the gold standard for how every single political campaign should be run. It's not about the money, it's about what you stand for. Yep. And if you don't stand for something positive for every American, that at least the ones that have sense, then you shouldn't be running for office.
1: Sweeney is gone, and thank God. <laughs> yeah. He was terrible, man. Yeah, that, that,
0: that, that, that's your that's your uh, stomping ground. So, yeah, that, that's a fantastic win for you guys. Just just terrible. in the fact that it rocked the boat, right? Yep. A- and we have to get on board rocking the boat across the nation, right? I mean, because these people that are standing up, the Greg Abbots, the Christy Gnomes, um, who was, there's a Democrat governor, uh, Kansas, I think, that mm-hmm. just sent back, uh, we're not complying to the mandate law to Biden, right? Yep. And I I have a tremendous amount of respect for Tulsi Gabbard, right?
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: She's a a Democrat, but she calls it right down the line, right? Yes, she does. And and those are the kind of Democrats that actually are worth working with, okay? The the Ocasio-Cortezes and the squad and all the extreme people that are just out there that do not really understand reality and the consequences of their choices, Mm -hmm. they are not worth dealing with at all. Right, yeah, and they're you tenacious. You can't take them serious.
1: You can't well, take but, them serious.
0: And the thing is, that they they gain credibility by being tenacious and asking a whole bunch of questions, but they're not putting a whole lot of solutions on the table. Yeah, okay? they don't have any. And when they do, it's always about the money. The Green New Deal is solely about money. It's never about proven practices that actually work. Right, and there is no backup plan if you prove that windmills and electric vehicles and all that stuff don't work. What's mm-hmm. your What's your uh, default? What do you jump back to once those things don't pan out for you? Right. So how are we making things smarter, but also a, a means of providing legitimate solutions that can be challenged through scientific analysis, the scientific method, right? It's always subject to challenge, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And,
0: and if you're not using that approach to implement things that have a major level impact on our environment, on our culture, on our economics, um, mm-hmm. and on the people of this nation, if you haven't considered all those, those points in the platform – you haven't begun to think about the problem
1: yeah definitely you,
0: definitely. you just want exacerbating get paid in the process
1: definitely i always um you know and and, and places like new york can cook up in a cot uh alexandria acacia cortez and, yeah and um you know it, it it's it baffles me you know a city in new york which used to be you know back you know back in the day new york was you know pretty conservative itself over time morphed into the socialist hellhole that it is today
0: (laughs) yeah there's there's a phenomenon that i I talk about that in part in my book um it's the collectivist versus the individual right the more people you have in an area the more problems you have and the more problems those people have the larger they seem when they impact a greater amount of people so when you're looking at the total scope of how we engage things as a society, the majority of our problems stem and start in New York and L.A. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: No, you're not wrong at all. Okay. The third worst city, Chicago. Yep, Illinois. Okay, the, three well, states, but, three well, states Chicago, that are gone and not competitive. By
0: right, it. but but Chicago is another one that around the city it's absolutely horrible, but outside of that, in the rest of Illinois, it's a, it's more or less conservative or middle of the road okay mm-hmm. Minneapolis Minnesota another fine example of the city creating the problems for the rest of the state i lived in washington for 15 years seattle and olympia are the armpits of the state and everybody else is conservative right detroit detroit portland okay everywhere you have a consolidation of people life gets easier they find more things to complain about but the groupthink mentality prohibits them from actually implementing solutions that better the whole and then the whole takes on a worse and worse approach and vision until they, they become self-defeating and collapse from within. And as soon as you introduce something as ridiculous as immorality to the equation, they're done, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You got more people worried about whether they're male or female or one of the 107 genders that they're making up instead of actually solving for the problems in this nation, right? How lost are we as a nation?
1: Man, we are lost. I mean, and- <laughs> we are lost i mean in those inner city areas you know they keep people together um
0: well they put them into public housing
1: put them in public housing they
0: subsidize their living expenses they take away their transportation they take away their second amendment rights you can't own guns in the city right they make you dependent and wards of the state and they funnel you all in there like a bunch of sheep in a pen and then say whatever you need we're your savers. That's the Democratic Party mantra, okay?
1: Yep, that that's I, absolutely.
0: You know, I don't know if you know the history of the Democratic Party. Founded in 1828, but it was founded by the people who forced us to have the three-fifths compromise in our Constitution, okay? Mm-hmm. The ones who wanted to count slave votes, but they were... Going to make sure they rode with whip and gun and every means of coercion they could to make those slaves vote exactly the way that they wanted so they could have the numbers, okay? Absolutely. That's how the Three-Fifths Compromise was instituted. It wasn't about making people less than human. It was about moderating votes that were forced and coerced by slave masters, right?
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Fast forward to 1828 and then up through 1850, the Democratic Party was the champion of every single initiative to keep slaves, to build trade around slaves, and to make that entire paradigm something that was part of United States culture. Not too many people know this. I did the homework in my book. By 1804, slavery was completely outlawed in the north. It was illegal. Yeah, it
1: was. They started immediately in Vermont and in places in the north. Right away, as soon as the Constitution yep. was
0: ratified, they started. Seventeen seventy-nine was the first state to get rid of slavery. That was Vermont, right? Yep. And so then you you fle- uh, if you look at the census, the census actually collected the data on who the citizens were. In eighteen forty, there were still slaves that were listed as slaves in the North, but that was because their masters did not turn them out into the economy without first training them and educating them, to make sure they had a place to go, right? Mm-hmm. So by 1850, there were no more slaves on the books. You look at 1860, and after the Lincoln-Douglas debates and everything else, the South was still pushing to maintain slaveholding states, and the South Carolina Charter for Secession, which is under the uh, Yale Avalon Project, if you Google that, it's all written right there in, in their history. The first paragraph of the South Carolina Charter for Secession explicitly states that the reason for secession was to remain a slaveholding state. And then they go down the list of grievances that they had with northern states, which included the North's uh, failure to return escaped property. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. when you tell me how property can have legs and get up and run away, let me know. Tell me what <laughs> kind of property that is, right? <laughs> so, so their entire premise for seceding, and then they acted against the North when Lincoln sent resupply to Fort Sumter. They fired on the fort. Two people died the next day, and. Uh, incidental fire and accidents, okay? Mm-hmm. And so that was the beginning of the war. The South initiated hostilities after seceding from the Union because they wanted to remain slave states. And you have all these Southern folks that say, well, that's my heritage. I'm flying this flag because of blah, blah, blah. Okay, there's no heritage there. The heritage is one of slavery because the two people that were responsible for flying those flags, Jefferson Davis and General Lee, both made statements after the war that said, it is best that we put away those symbols of our division in order to reunite the country. Yep.
1: Okay. Yep.
0: So when the people that had the most to gain by flying those flags say, you know what, party's over, put it away, let's come back together as a nation, no one in the modern day has a right to sit up there and say, well, that's my heritage. Yeah, it's not. You lost. Okay. I'm a, North- <laughs> I'm a northern boy, alright? You guys lost. Suck it up, buttercup. Move on and have a better heritage that includes being part of the nation again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but absolutely. the thing that
0: people don't understand is all of that's democratic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Th-
0: those were all Democratic Party actions. They were all led by Democrats. And another thing that people don't understand is that there were Republicans in the South from 1848 when the Republican Party was formed. You know who the poor who the Republicans were in the South? The poor whites that were disenfranchised by slavery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when
0: people say that the, the the party switched sides or there was a Southern strategy or there was these Dixiecrat people that were this en masse or somehow the, the South became this racist bastion of conservative thought, Republicans have been in the South from day one. They were the people that were disenfranchised by the slaves that were held by the Democrats. That's the history the Democrats didn't want you to learn, the reason why they tore down all those statues over the last five years and the reason why they were so busy trying to cover up their own sins of the past because they – problem in america across almost every single spectrum when it comes to human oppression and the destruction of civil rights and the destruction of people as a whole
1: yeah absolutely i laugh i chuckle inside when i see liberals turn down confederate statues yeah um, it's their that, history <laughs> knowing that history i'm like yeah are you kidding me well it,
0: and and i i made a, a post um I I called it the uh, I call them the trans Democrats, right? Because I moved back to Indiana in 2019 from Washington State Mm -hmm. and I see these people around here flying the uh, you know the Flag of the Northern Army of Virginia General Lee's Confederate uh, flag, right? And I called these folks trans Democrats because I said you can pretend to be a conservative but when we see this flag, we know what you really are, right? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, because they're mm-hmm. posers,
0: they're pretenders. They're, they are, they're traitors and losers, and that's what that flag represents, especially in the North.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And
0: then we can also have a conversation about how the KKK used that flag from 1873, I believe, up to the present day,
1: Yeah. right? Absolutely.
0: The, I've never heard one person from the Southern side of things that claims that flag represents Southern heritage, Objecting to the use of that flag by the KKK
1: yeah
0: right if it's about heritage it's about southern rights and states rights and all this other stuff mm-hmm. then why wouldn't you defend it from being used by a group that's flat out racist
1: well it, it just goes back to your synthesis of common sense you know mm-hmm. there's no there's no standards correct there's no standards there and you there know, are now there Cause, are now
0: because we established them. When I published that book last year, they were published. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: But they're they, not living by any standards. Well, know, it,
0: that's, that's going to take a cultural shift. I just wrote the book last September. It's only been out for a year. And so to get people to gravitate towards that knowledge and say, all right, what are the standards for common sense? Because mm-hmm. I wrote it with the knowledge that, you know, if you look at history from um, Voltaire, who said common sense is not so common.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: That was in the 1700s. And so when you look at everything that we know about common sense, everyone assumes that it exists because of the use of the word common, but it is not common, right? Because of the very fact that it's seen as a facetious joke by most people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's common sense, right? You hear that all the time, but no one really uses it. So in the army, we learn, you know, or in the military, as a leader, you learn that there's a, there's a couple things. And one is what you don't inspect won't get done. And the other one is what you don't inspect to standard won't get done properly okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you want something done right you have to have a standard against which you measure that effectiveness and then you have to check on it and make sure that it's being done right Mm -hmm. right so that's why i established those four fundamental elements of common sense when those are critical thinking standards Mm -hmm. virtue and information and information can be broken down into discerning between good and bad information right virtue is essential because that's what tells you the difference between right and wrong if you can't tell that you're you're going to be lost across the board.
1: You can stan- almost, when I look at the synthesis of common sense and the four elements, you Correct. can also, and this is just my interpretation, you can substitute common sense for conservatism. <laughs> uh,
0: because- yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and and when I, I sent you the video um, of uh, Phil Robertson with the uh, Duck Dynasty, and he he made a a point that is was poignant to me in every single part of the writing of that book. How can, how can you talk about uh, common sense without invoking Jesus Christ?
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. Jesus Christ was one of the people that actually went and challenged the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day, and he asks them very simple common sense questions that challenge everything they say, and he challenges it in less than 10 words in a mm-hmm. sentence, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. He said,
0: you know, and, and it's amazing, you know, that um, people don't grasp this. You know, Albert Einstein said it, and I always say it. Simplicity is genius, right? Mm -hmm. If you can't explain something simply, you don't know enough about the subject. And so when Christ came and was actually talking with the Pharisees and asking them simple questions about the things they believed in, such as can you heal a man on the Sabbath? Well, which is greater for the glory of God? To judge a man for um, doing a a righteous act, right? Mm -hmm. Or actually doing the righteous act? Which one has more importance, Mm -hmm. right? So are you doing good? Are you complaining about someone else doing good? Which one has more merit, (laughs) right? Mm, And those are the simple kind of comparisons that we have to just look at and say, there's so much wisdom in that entire scenario that most people don't even grasp it at face value because they're like, "Uh, how does that apply to me, right? Yeah. But but the reality is, is, if you're not doing good on a daily basis, you won't see that. And that's why discerning between good and evil is so important because if you don't have virtue, you will never, understand the value of good information over bad information you will never value standards and critical thinking then is completely lost on you because there's no way you can think when you're so busy feeling because you're trying to overcome the guilt complex you have by doing all the wrong things all the time
1: where are we you know speaking of good versus evil Hmm. where are we in the culture war because it seems like uh, it seems like you know patriotic Americans are waging the war back now you know and
0: starting to yeah
1: starting to a little bit It 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 happens in I read this book um I want to say a couple of years ago it's called pendulum and it talks about it speaks to Um, The direction of, you know, not only the culture, but a lot of different things swing like every 40 or so years. And it seems like, you know, it's it it happened. You know, you saw it with Barry Goldwater and then I'm talking about politics, but then Mm -hmm. it bubbles up in the culture. You saw it with Ronald Reagan and then you saw it with Newt Gingrich and the Contract of America. Then you saw it with Fox News, you know, and Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, yeah. And then now you have, you know, all of these conservative, you know, podcasts and and, and, and radio radio show hosts. And now you have conservative out, outlets like um, Red State Radio. And, you know, you have all of these different venues at Newsmax TV. You know, uh, One America News. So it seems like a war is being waged now. Where, What's your opinion on where we are in a culture war and how we're doing?
0: I definitely agree with a pendulum paradigm. Um, I think that we shift back and forth. Um, you know, when the... Before the Barry Goldwater uh, era of the 60s, right? Barry Goldwater was instrumental in actually getting Ronald Reagan to convert over from the Democrats to becoming more of a libertarian, you know, thinker, but a Republican in, in, by by definition, right? And so that shift started when you look at the 60s revolution and the hippies, okay? Everything that the folks that were burning down cities... um during the course of the Obama era and then also during the Trump era but less during that time right when you look at those protests they used the inspiration from the 60s protests mm-hmm. as their source of inspiration for what they did but they took it to the next level so when you look at a pendulum shift the one thing that's most dangerous about a pendulum shift is that if you allow the extremes to become mainstream the pendulum swings farther and farther both ways until catastrophe occurs
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right
0: So that's where we're at, is we're actually swinging back towards a pendulum shift that leans more right because the election in Virginia was clearly a referendum on the stupidity of leftist culture, okay? Mm -hmm. Cancel culture, telling parents they had no rights over um, what their kids were taught in school, um, CRT, all the different things that they try to make these shows they're doing it for all the right reasons but if it's leftist it's it's already for the wrong reason no matter what no matter what they say because their solutions are always wrong-headed even if they have good intentions i always say that too good intentions don't matter only the outcomes right Mm
1: -hmm. so
0: the only time intentions matter to someone like me is to determine motive in a a crime case right so when you you look at the um pendulum swinging Mm -hmm. we had the hippie movement we had all that nonsense in the 70s everybody started getting high and taking LSD and doing all this other stuff the swinging and the sex orgies and the key parties and all the other crap now what what was the outcome of all of that stuff in the 60s the free love movement well lo and behold having sex creates babies so what do they do they decided to implement abortion in 1973 okay uh, mm-hmm. the the institution of abortion was a direct response to adult irresponsibility in the 60s okay mm-hmm. So because we had people that were producing children out of wedlock or people that were producing children at their swinger parties or people that were just flat out departed from biblical understanding and context of marriage and relationship, mm-hmm. we started creating children out of wedlock that people didn't want to pay for. So they said, well, instead of facing up to my responsibilities or holding myself accountable so I don't make those mistakes, let's just kill the problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's how abortion was was created. Okay,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So once that happened we kind of went towards a, you know you had uh, Jimmy Carter and his little feel good narrative but horrible solutions everybody was like mm, that doesn't seem like we're headed in the right direction so they pulled back and that created the conservative 80s under Reagan mm-hmm. where we, we regained our purpose and sense of direction as a nation and we rebounded econ- uh, economically we rebounded on a cultural level in some regards right and I was a kid back then I didn't understand politics at all and Mm -hmm. I knew that my dad for the few years that I was around him he did not like Ronald Reagan Mm -hmm. well as I got older I realized that the vast majority of my family is actually liberal Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the reasons why I didn't get along with them really sprang into focus right yeah yeah so the, the cultural clash is something that will always have a pendulum swing to it because there's the ebb and flow of generational context and people seeing what their parents did and the people around them, and then saying, I either want to go with that or I want to reject that. And unless there are penalties that force them to reject it, as long as there's no punitive measure taken for the things that they do, the pendulum will continue to swing out farther and farther until something catastrophic happens to where we, we, we fall off the cliff. Right? I think,
1: well, I think when you look at. Um... You know, you were talking about the pendulum swing and and the Mm -hmm. extremes being the mainstream. I think during the Obama years, especially those last couple of years when things started to get really bad, I think conservatives and people that were patriotic Americans and even some independents were looking for that Overton window. Um, They were looking for, you know, that spectrum of ideas that were different um, from liberalism that to you know uh, whether it be public policy, whether it be social issues, right. um, that were come to come back into the mainstream, they're looking for those values, those virtues and right. you know those things that you know we used to hold really sacred.
0: I, I, I would actually argue that that began to happen in 2010 with the uh, takeover of uh, the Congress.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That,
0: that that big tidal turn just two short years into Obama's turn and we we're like, "Whoa. Yep. wrong path. Let's yep. go back to where we were, right?"
1: Immediately and wrong path.
0: Exactly. And and we all knew it, but the problem with the silent majority is that they're too comfortable, right? They 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 use silence as ma- they call it maintaining the higher road, but there is no higher road when you're being constantly bombarded and assaulted by evil.
1: There's yeah, this just is no war.
0: Yeah. There's no higher road to be had. At this mm-hmm. point, we have to step up and say, that's enough. Shut up. Sit down. We're done talking to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we have to just look at these folks and treat them like the juvenile mindset that they are, because there's no way you can have a serious conversation with someone who looks down between their legs and sees a male body part and says, you know what, I'm going to pretend to be a girl today. You don't have rational conversations with people like that, nor people who support them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you read the, you read my part in the book about the Jerry Springer Society, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay?
0: But that is exactly what we have. When you have people that are unwilling to stand up for the right things, and yet they look at their fellow man failing and doing everything the worst possible way, and they take pleasure in seeing that. And they t- they breathe a sigh of relief and say, whew, at least my life isn't as bad as that person, okay? What you've done is you created a context under which you can excuse your own faults and failures as long as they're not as bad as the next person.
1: That's true. So instead of
0: holding yourself accountable and saying, I need to do better, you just say, well, I'm not as bad as that guy, so I can keep doing what I'm doing. Okay? And that Jerry Springer mentality combined with the apathy that is bred by the silence and the assumption that the people who are right have the largest majority and eventually will just speak up well, someday never comes, right? There's songs about that. Mm-hmm. So, someday's already here. It's actually already past us, and we're still sitting on the sidelines waiting for some hero to come and save us, okay?
1: Yeah. And
0: that's, that's extremely dangerous because that's the position that Donald Trump was put in. He's one man. Yeah. Donald Trump by himself is not going to save this country. It's yeah. going to take everyone working together with a concerted effort that says, you know what? Enough of this crap. It's time to cancel the cancel culture. It's time to stop all these little crybaby whiners and sob sisters shut up go sit down we're going to make adult decisions for the adult people in this nation if you want to pre- you want to play pretend with all your little nonsense go do that on your own time that is no longer public policy that is not what we're going to endorse and support for this nation
1: you, you know and that was a good point you just made because trump was unfairly put in that position and you know i can understand you know after and and it's 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 been more so it's not just it's not just he people were looking for a champion to champion the ideas that he put forth into the public square right but also they were they're fed up with the republican party because the republicans weren't spinelessness not standing for anything, not defending the constitution, not putting the country's interests at first. But they were just kind of fed up with the status quo. But that 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 is a very good point right. um about Trump and and how he was unfairly put in that position because right. one guy isn't going to shoulder the load even if even with two terms. You Correct. Know.
0: And, and he actually did a, a human's job. I, I will be honest with you. I mean, you saw my Facebook post back in 2016. I was not sold on Donald Trump as even a Republican candidate until he picked Mike Pence as a VP, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this guy has been Mr. Hollywood celebrity apprentice. You're fired. Let me do all these pageants and silly stuff. And, you know, he's the gambling guy. He's the guy that promotes all the boxing events in Vegas. He's been in rap videos. He he is Mr. Hollywood. He's Mr. Leftist. They all adored him until he ran as a Republican, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Right He used to hang out with Oprah and Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and all those guys. I mean that was he would be that guy. I mean if you fl- uh, flashback twelve years ago, he was hanging out with the Snoop dogs of the world, right? And well, even in two thousand and eight, Barack Obama said that the American dream is Donald Trump
1: well, not only that John Trump received countless awards from minority organizations <laughs> Correct, because. <laughs> because he
0: did fantastic work in helping them right it's, it's... and that's the thing is that everyone that, that that's why I say the leftists cannot have a rational conversation because everything for them is emotionally based and they, ha- they do not have the capacity to do critical thinking yep. because if they did they would look at everything that he had done prior to um, 2016 and say okay th- this guy may have some merit in what he's saying what's he actually saying and challenge that not on the the fact that he issues East Coast tweets, but the fact that he actually is the guy that says we've got problems here, let's challenge him head on.
1: Mm-hmm. And he
0: was he was absolutely right in challenging the things that he did. And in some ways even the way he did it, it, was, it set a new standard for at least public interaction and just an honest slap in the face to a very biased media corporation
1: mm-hmm. that
0: does not have America's best interests at heart.
1: Mm-hmm. You think he coming back?
0: I don't know I mean honestly if he comes back I I would like to be somewhere on his advisor team right because I sent my book to Mike Lindell and his uh, COO right Mm -hmm. and I wanted to get some stuff going with them and they never contacted me back they went off on the the voting uh, corruption scandal and all that stuff Mike Lindell got busy and everything else but if Trump runs again and whoever else is out there they need to pull around them a think tank of people who are legitimately conservative that espouse the correct ideals and can articulate these things in business solution, in moral solution, in documented understanding of scientific relationships, human behavior, and understanding how to manage things on a large scale spectrum that make sure that the majority of the country is not disenfranchised, but that a good solution is put forth as the best option. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to be smart. We need Republicans to grow a spine and develop solutions. Between now and 2024, that has to happen or the Republican Party is as dead as the Democratic Party is because the Democratic Party is imploding right now. You've got the socialists and all the far left, whatever you want to call them. I don't have any nice words for them, so I'll just keep them quiet. But you've got those folks that are out there and they are doing their level best to undermine and destroy everything about the Democratic Party and re-image it into the new american socialist party okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they they, they mm-hmm. want socialism here because socialism enables them because they're in the seat of power they get a benefit at everyone else's expense that's that's always their game anytime you hear a leftist talking that's always their game they want power over other people so that they can benefit and not have to work nearly as hard
1: that's right yep that's okay
0: life. aoc wants to be a queen right that's that's who she is all those people around her and and there, there's there's yeah so that's what they want. They want power over everybody else, so they can benefit and proclaim that in in true Democratic Party fashion. Oh, this is for your 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 betterment, right? This is for your greater good. Mm-hmm. You follow us, and we're going to be your heroes, your champions. We're going to be the people. I mean, look at what they've done with the the black vote since they. Um, we never finished the progression of the Democratic Party into the modern day. So the Democratic Party was the party of slavery. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was not a single Jim Crow law ever written by a Republican, so everything during the Reconstruction era all the way up through the 1960s, everything that disenfranchised black people, gave them separate and unequal things such as education, diners, yep. bus places, water fountains, everything that was part of that process was all Democratic run. 1964 happens, and the, sixth, the Civil Rights Act was born, right? JFK wrote it. Linda B. Johnson implemented it, Okay so what happened was the democrats decided to capitalize on that momentum and say oh the country is making a shift we need to shift with it because apparently hanging people and burning crosses in their front yard has lost its appeal okay yeah. <laughs> and i say, and and I, and I say that sarcastically but that's the that was exactly what was on their minds mm-hmm. they'd run out of tolerance for violently assaulting other people that didn't agree with them decided instead to use division using the categories and classifications of the protected classes under that Title IX or Title X Civil Rights Act, right? So sex, gender, race, religion all those things, they decided they were going to divide and conquer by oppressing people, right? Mm -hmm. Or promoting the notion that they were oppressed and then claiming to be the champion of the oppressed so that they would get their votes, okay? So the Democrats in just a, a short decade now the last person lynched by the KKK was in 1982, I believe Yeah,
1: that's correct.
0: They were were still active 20 years later, right? But for the most part, that kind of treatment by the Democrats against the citizens of the United States had fallen out of favor. And so what they did was they decided they were going to become the heroes of the people that they, just 30 years earlier, were the ones doing all of the oppressing for. Yep. Right? (laughs) And that's the crazy part. They went from being the oppressors to being the champions of the oppressed. But they knew everything to say because they had actually been the ones doing the oppressing from the get-go.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's, it's a shame that people don't see that for what it is. Because if you if you understood that, you would never vote Democrat again. If Especially if you're a person of color, a person who's been disenfranchised, you would never vote for them for any reason ever again because of, that's exactly who they are.
1: Yep, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Good stuff, man. Thanks for... Thanks for laying that out, man. You gave my audience a lot of... <laughs> a lot. Common sense. Oh, man, a lot of common sense. A lot of conservatism, too. Yes. So we just want to... We got to have you back on, man. So, um, so Absolutely. We can, so we can keep going, man. But thanks for coming on. Um, folks, go out. Get his book, Common Sense, A 2020 Perspective. I bought it on Kindle. So and I'm I'm deep into it now. Uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm at the end pretty much now. So I'm gonna reread it again because um, this stuff, this is the language of conservatism, folks. This is this is basically this is how I, the best description of the book that I have. This is the language of conservatism, and it's it's plain, it's common sense, and it's easy to understand and read. Get your kids reading it. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, and, and some of the concepts i I tried to write it for a level that everyone could understand, um, because mm-hmm. I use words and I talk fast, but there there's there's something to be said for just keeping it simple, um, mm-hmm. and I tried to keep it simple and I even laid it out uh, how did what do you think about the critical thinking process that the process critical... map that I put in there?
1: Oh, yeah, that process map is amazing,
0: right, and think about that with just a simple diagram, you can put into a baseline format pretty much the standard process for every single critical thinking exercise you could have. You're going mm-hmm. to have deviations from that, right? There's going to be special considerations and everything else, but that basic process, if you learn how to coach your mind and follow that general format, you become a critical thinker by default on every single thing you face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how I think that's how I think naturally, right? Yeah. That yep. was that was I, that was my first draft of that process Matt.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That yeah, that's I, amazing. Well,
0: I did it in one shot. I sent it to my uh, editors and people that were helping me write the book and they're like, "Uh, I don't have any comments on this. It looks good. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? (laughs) So, yeah, so I mean, I, I, if we can help people with information and teaching them how to step up and grab their their standards and say, this is what we are going to stand for. And it's gonna be for the right reasons with virtue and Mm -hmm. honor and integrity. We've got to get back to those basics because right now we're being exploited because we don't stand.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, yeah, the silent majority no longer has the latitude to remain silent. We have to roar like the lions we're supposed to be.
1: Amen. So we're gonna leave it at that. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. We got, like I like I said, we're gonna have you back on.
0: I appreciate it. Look forward to it. Yeah.
1: This is the cure.